Hey, why don't you go ahead and uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3 is going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you'd raise your hand, we'd love to get a Bible into your hand. There's people walking up the aisle right now. If you forgot your Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible, throw your hand up, grab one of these. If you don't own a Bible this morning, take one of these home as our gift to you. But grab a copy of God's Word, turn to Psalm chapter 3, as we're going to be this morning, Psalm chapter 3. Before we get digging into the word this morning, I just want to do this. We, this is a pretty safe place, all right? This is a, a, a very honest church, a, people who come in here knowing that we don't need to fake it. We don't need to hide our, our stuff from each other. We're, we're a pretty honest people. And so I'm going to start off with just a real personal question. Show of hands. How, how many people here by show of hands would say that, you know what, I have moments in my life where, where it's marked by fear and anxiety. There are just times where I've just, I got a lot of fear. I got anxiety. Anybody raise their hand? That's awesome, right? I was thinking about this, how horrible of a question to ask. Hey, if you have fear, raise your hand in a big group of people, right? But here's the thing. Listen here. As you saw all those hands go up, here's what I love about that. You're not alone. That if you're like, yeah, man, I battle with fear a lot, right? I mean, I struggle with anxiety. That You're definitely not alone. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, here, here's our first point as we jump into Psalm 3. Fear is real. Fear is real. Psalm 3, you're going to hear David deal with an emotion that is, that is so real that, that many of us, if not all of us, experience. In fact, I've heard it said this way, the very first emotion we feel as we come into the world is fear. I mean, I've seen three babies born, all three of mine, and every one of them came into the world crying, Right? Now, now, why does a kid, why does a baby start crying right away? We, we've been walking through the Psalms and talking about different emotions that we, we can experience as we live out this life. I don't think they're coming into the world crying because of doubt. Right? I don't think a baby's kind of going, I wonder who I am. What will tomorrow hold for me? I doubt a baby's doing that, right? So that's not where the tears are coming from. They're, they're probably coming from a place of, why is it so cold? Who are all these people? Why are they rubbing me down? What are they doing with me? What's going? And they, they start to cry out in fear. We come into the world in fear, which is, which is likely why when you read through scripture, the most common command, the command repeated the most is fear not which I think is remarkable if you think about it. The Bible written over thousands of years by, by at least 40 different authors, all from different ways of life, different socioeconomic experience, different places in life. And yet all of them, all through scripture, you see over and over again, fear not. Fear can take control of our hearts. And if you think about it, it, it makes sense because there's a lot of good reasons to fear. I mean, if, if you're a student, if you're a, a young adult, if you're a, a, an older adult, if you're a senior, there's so many reasons that we can fear. We can have fear about relationships. We can have fear about work, about money, about health, about our image, about our family, about our future. I mean, you think about our world from volcanoes to hurricanes to, to floods to threat of war to terrorism to political instability to job insecurity to financial struggles, parenting woes. Health concerns, relationship problems, uncertain futures. They're like, well, I wasn't struggling with fear till I came to church. Thanks, Pastor Kai. <laughs> there are some of you here this morning, though, that I know that fear is not just a random experience, but it's ongoing. That, that even when life is going well, there's this, this low-level hum of anxiety nagging away at your heart and your mind. And so when we open up the psalm here, right, right away we see David gripped by fear. 
And we've been seeing through this whole series that, that you have a, a couple of different options you can do when you're, you're gripped with deep emotion. I think in church world, we're told to just keep it inside. Don't admit it. Fake it till you make it. Don't let anybody see. Good Christians don't deal with these hard things. And so we hide it. Or, or the other option is we just, we just be controlled by it. We vent it. We go all in on these emotions. And, and David here in Psalm 3, just like the other Psalms we've been reading, he does something different. Instead, he takes this deep emotion of fear and he takes it right to the Lord. He doesn't deny it, doesn't just vent it. Instead, he prays it. And when I say pray these deep emotions, I, I, this is what I love about the Psalms. They're raw, they're real. It's not these kind of prayers where they're, they're polished prayers and they're very theological prayers. And they're, no, it's people who are like going, this is what's going on. And their hearts poured out in the presence of God. They wrestle with these deep emotions. In fact, I would say this as a side note. If, if, if you struggle in your prayer life, if you're like, man, I don't know what to pray. My, my prayers are kind of shallow. I, I don't understand what to say, man. Just open up the Psalms and start praying your way through the Psalms. Like just be reading them and just, just pray those very words right to God or, or let what you're reading spur in your heart and mind. God, that's me. That's me right now. And call out to God as you pray through the Psalms. But here in this Psalm 3, verses 1 and 2, we read this. It says, O, o Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. We've already been saying that, that fear is real. Fear is calm. And what we see here, that David has some very real things to be afraid of. He literally, when he says, I have many foes, he literally has armies after him. Literally people trying to kill him. Now, now when I say literally, I'm using it in the, in the not in the way we, we, how do you guys hear people, how we use literally today? I literally laugh my head off. I think the word you're looking for there is figuratively because I see your head firmly attached to your body unless you're a medical miracle, right? right? I literally just peed my pants laughing. I hope you did not, right? But, but, but in here, when David is, is talking about this, he, he literally, his life is in danger. People are trying to kill him. But then look at verse five. Look at what he says in verse five. He says, I lay down and slept. He's being pursued by armies, literally trying to kill him. And he's like, I've got peace. I've got hope. Now, how does David get from that, that place of very real fear to this place of deep rest and peace and hope? His fear was very real. I mean, look at the heading. Before verse one, here's, here's the heading of the psalm. It says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So here's what's going on. David's son, Absalom, he declares himself as king, rallies a bunch of people up because he's gonna overthrow David's throne. He's gonna kill his dad and take over the kingdom. And so David has to flee into the wilderness and hide out for his life. And so when he says, many are my foes, it's not unwanted paranoia. It's not like the person goes, I just think everybody's out to get me. No, for real, for real with David, everybody was out to get him. He has very physical fears here. But it goes even deeper than that. Look at verse two. He says, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. This isn't just physical fear. There, there's a deep down heart level, soul level, gut-wrenching fear that people are attacking David's very identity and character. 
What they're saying of him is, here's, here's what I believe they're saying. In 2 Samuel, you read about the king who came before David, King Saul. King Saul was a train wreck of a king. He was so filled with pride that he, he walks away from following God and, and God takes the kingship away from Saul. And so now what are they saying? When they're saying, hey, David, there's no salvation for you. Here's what they're saying. David, you're no better than Saul. You, you, you sin, so, so obviously God's taken away his favor from you as well. I mean, you, you had an affair with Bathsheba. You killed Uriah, her husband, to cover it up. How could a dude like that think he's gonna be king? How could a guy like that ever think that God could save him? And so, so David, under attack physically, but now also spiritually, emotionally, his life is under attack. His very identity, who he is, is under attack. I mean, can you imagine the depth of the fear and anxiety in David right there? Maybe you're like, yeah, I can't imagine. Man, I can relate to that. Not that your son has formed some sort of coup and he's about to take over your home, but, but you can relate to that depth of, of I don't even know who I am. I, my, my own identity, I'm not even sure if I'm standing on who I, like I don't get, and I've got this fear about me and, you know, psychologists say that there's, there's good fear and there's bad fear. The good fear is when that car jumps the sidewalk and is coming at you and you, you all of a sudden have this quick reaction time to jump out of the way. That's good fear. Good fear is when your, your child is reaching for the, for the hot element and you, you quickly reach out and grab their hand. That, that's good fear. But there's another kind of fear and we call it anxiety, I guess, where, where it's, it's not so... It's not so, not so easy to identify. It's not so, well, that's exactly what's causing it. It's, it's more of this generalized, I just have fear and I don't know why. But here's the thing, the, the same energy that it takes when, in that moment of fear where you gotta jump out of the way of the car, you gotta grab your child in, in that, that low level generalized fear, we're using the same energy. And it wears us out and it paralyzes us from being able to, to move forward in anything. And like David, it, it threatens your very sense of self. It, it threatens your identity. It threatens your security. And, and really that fear, it's, it's pressing in on us in, in, in one of three ways. It's either we're scared we're gonna lose what we have. We're scared we're gonna not get what we want or think we need, or we fear we're gonna get what we don't want. Here for David, this fear is very real. This deep anxiety that he's losing everything. And yet he can sleep. I mean, how did David get there? How did he go from fear to having peace? Well, look at verse three. It starts off with this, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Now it starts off with a real important word there. He says, but... He says, but, he goes, he goes, here's the reality. I'm so filled with fear, but, 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 but God. So what's he doing? He's not avoiding the fear. He's not faking it in the fear. He's saying, no, it's real, but he's also not just gonna immerse himself and be controlled by that fear. Instead, he says, I'm gonna choose a different path. I'm gonna choose a different way to go than where I'm running right now in my fear. I'm gonna choose something else. I'm gonna, the Bible word for it is I'm gonna repent. My heart and my life was being wrapped up in this fear, but, and he makes a turn. And, and 
Where's he turn? He turns a few different places. Here's the first place he turns. Our second point this morning, he turns from his fear to walk in God's protection. He turns from his fear to walk in God's protection. I mean, verse three says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. There's something cool about David saying the way he says it. He says, you're, you're a shield about me. You're a, a shield that surrounds me is what he's saying. And, and you gotta wonder, how, what, when I think of shield, I think this thing in front of me, I don't, I don't think shield all around me. And I, I know David came before Star Wars and Star Trek, so he doesn't get the deflector shield idea. What's he talking about when he says, this shield that surrounds me? It's actually a shield in, in David's time that wasn't your, your hold on and little small shield. It's this shield that was like almost the size of a door and it, it actually wrapped around you. It protected you all around you. And it was a shield you would use when the commander of the army said, we're taking this city. And you would move forward into the most dangerous part of the battle where you knew, man, arrows are gonna be raining down on me. Rocks will be thrown at me. They'll be pouring that hot tar over the wall on top of me and you grab that shield. It's when you're going in the most dangerous part of the battle. It's when you're up against the most impossible odds. This is not a runaway kind of shield. It's a here we go we're gonna, we're, we're gonna get hit hard and we're moving in. So when, when David says, I'm scared, I'm fearful, I'm anxious, but I remember I have a shield around me, listen to what he's saying. He's not buying into some goofy prosperity gospel that says God will never lead you into hard things. God will always just pour out blessing on you. Your life should always be good if you're really following Jesus. No, what's David saying? He goes, no, God is leading me into this fearful place but I know that as I move in, in obedience behind God, that he's protecting me as I move forward. Listen, that's the key. When you turn from your fear, where it's sending you, and you turn and walk in obedience, you walk forward. If you drop the shield to run, you're in a much more dangerous place. There are times in our lives where God calls us into dark places. But the safest place, listen, the safest place for us to be is tucked in behind him in obedience. Yes, the thing we're going to is fearful, but here's what David's saying. God, you are bigger than that fear. I love how Jesus says it. He says, don't fear the ones who can kill the body. Instead, fear the one who can kill the body and the soul in hell. Like, thanks, Jesus. That's a horrible, like, don't fear this really scary thing. Here's an even more scary thing. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, our God is great. Don't fear him. Walk in obedience to him. Follow close in behind God as he's calling you because his shielding, his protection, it only works when we move forward in obedience as we're actually pressing in on him. And in the midst of that fear, it's us saying, God, God, I know you're not just gonna keep me from danger or pain or hurt, but I do know that in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this hardship, you're the one protecting me that even this trial is a means of your grace to transform me more and more into the image of Christ. And so what do we do? We walk forward. We don't always understand the battle. We're not always sure about what God's doing, but we can rest as we walk into the fear knowing, God, you are, you are a good God, a holy God, a great God, and you are my protection. Because here's the thing, in the midst of that fear, you have one of two choices, only two choices. You either walk in disobedience or obedience. 
In disobedience, you go after the things horizontally that you think are gonna help. You run away from what God's called you to. Instead, instead, God says, no, follow me in obedience. In that relationship that's so difficult, you're gonna walk in it. In the parenting situation where, Lord, I don't wanna do this, but I know you're calling me, you walk in it. In that, that action of ministry that God's calling you to, like, I don't wanna step forward in this. And God's saying, just follow in close behind me. If you run from this, it's worse. David's saying, I'm scared, but I know that walking forward in obedience, even in the pain, that's the way to life. Obedience is the way to life. And we, we see this in Christ's life. Christ in the garden of Gethsemane, He's, he's sweating as he's in the garden. Now, now why is he sweating? He's, he's sweating, not because he's sad. You sweat when you're what? When you're fearful. Here's Christ in the garden and he's anticipating what's coming. The cross is before him where he'll take on the weight of the sin of the whole world. The cross and the tomb is what he's looking forward to. So what's he do? In the midst of that fear, he walks forward in obedience. to the cross and to the tomb, which looked like a horrible ending. And sometimes to obey seems like it's not going anywhere, but David knows, he knows this, that the only place of protection of God is by tucking in closely behind him as he moves you forward towards resurrection. So we turn from our fears and walk in obedience in the protection of God. Here's the second thing we see David does. He turns from his fears and he, and he puts his life on a better foundation. Turn from, from your fears and, and you stand on a better foundation. He says it this way, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. And he says this, and you're my glory. Now, remember, he said, but. So, so if he said, but, it meant that he was, he was finding his glory in something else in the midst of that fear. And he goes, I'm not doing that anymore. I want God's glory. I want the weight of God. I want the significance the importance, I mean, that's what glory is. It just means significance. And, and he's saying, what I used to think was glory, what I used to think was significant is falling apart all underneath me. Right? What, what would David used to have stood on? He, he would say, I'm a powerful king. Yeah, no, you're not anymore. I have a, I have a safe and easy life. No, I'm a great father. No, no, your son's trying to kill you. I'm a morally upright king. No, you've committed some horrible sin. I mean, here you hear Dave, when he says, you're my glory, you're my foundation. He's being so real here. He's saying, listen, I'm fearful and I'm anxious because the foundation under me is falling apart. These good things, they'd become my glory. They'd become what I rested my security and my identity on. And it felt good for a while because they could hold me up for a bit. But he said when he began to look at it, he understood those things aren't eternal. They can't bear the weight of my soul. And so what does it do? Because it's now shaky, it brings in fear and anxiety. Because you don't know when is that foundation gonna go out? When I was a kid, we had this game we'd play called uh, Perfection. I don't know if you've ever played this game. It's this one where you had this, this square box and you push the middle of it down. It had all these little shapes in it, these little yellow things you put in to fill the shapes. Everybody, you had to grow up like in the 70s to know this, right? It, it, we didn't have iPods. This was our funnest game, all right? And you, you push this thing down, turn a little dial timer, and it goes 
while you're trying to fill in all the shapes. And then eventually when it runs out, boom, it pops up. And if you don't have the shapes in, it all explodes, right? Well, we got ours from a yard sale. And so the dial thing, although you could turn it, it wouldn't actually turn to show you how much time was left. It just upped the ante of stress, right? And it would just cause so much fear and anxiety. Why? I don't even know why we played it. How is that a game, right? But here's the thing, that's what our life is like. We're playing this game of perfection and we know that there's this that the things we're putting our life on Listen, it's, it's good to be talented at something. It's, it's good to have a good career. It's good and to have a, a great family. It, it's good to have a community around you. It's good to have good health. But if you glory in them, if you put the weight of your life on them, you're putting your worth and your security in something so temporal and in something that could in a moment be taken away. If that's your foundation, you live in fear. So what's David doing? He sees his fear. He begins to look underneath his fear and he sees, man, I've placed my heart in the wrong place. It, it's not that, that he has all these outward circumstances coming after him. He's realizing that all those are doing is they're revealing a heart. They're revealing a heart that has values in things, that has, has importance in things, that gives glory to things that can't give him hope. So here's what I would say. If you have fear and anxiety, it's a smoke that leads you to fire. Okay, it's, what am I anxious about? I, mean, I wanna trace that back and see what's actually on fire here. What's the thing I've put my glory in? David turns from that glory and builds a better foundation. He, he, he relocates his foundation on something that is secure. And he says, listen, I'm not gonna get my security by getting approval from other people anymore my hope, my identity, my love. He says, God, you're the one who gives this to me. Like, look how he says it in verse three. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory. And he says this, and the lifter of my head. You're the one, God, who comes when my head is downcast. You're the one who comes and lifts my head up. You're the one who says, I'm proud of you. You're the one who says, hey, 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 don't, don't, don't have your head cast down. I, mean, I love you. I care for you. And God's care and God's approval are a foundation that will never fail. And why would I say that? I would say that because this, not only does David turn towards obedience and God's protection, not only does he, he turn toward a better foundation, he turns towards the light of God's grace. We turn from our fears and we live in the light of grace. I mean, how could David rest on this, this foundation of God's approval and care? I mean, think about it. Imagine yourself as David. Uh, yeah, God, I, uh, I slept with another man's wife and then I killed him to cover it up. And I failed as a father. I failed as a king. I failed as a human being. I failed as a, as a follower of yours. I, I failed in every way, but but I know you're the one who will lift my head. I mean, imagine that foundation under you. Imagine the kind of foundation where, where nothing could rob you of who you are. Imagine the foundation where you would say, man, God loves me, is proud of me, takes care of me. I mean, if, if you know that, if you really know that, that's the, that, that that's the heart of your identity, your security, your hope, 
Nothing could take you out. Nothing could bring in fear. Here's the thing. We fear the foundations we're gonna lose and David says, my foundation is sure. How does he know that? How does he know that God will be the lifter of his head? Well, look at verse four. He goes on. He says, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. So he says, I'm in my fear. I'm in my disobedience. I'm in my brokenness. I'm in my, my place where my heart is, is going after other things. And I cried out to God and he heard me. Where did he hear me from? He said, he heard me from his holy hill. What's, what's David talking about there, a holy hill? He's talking about the, the temple up on Zion. He's talking about the place where sacrifice happened. David turns from his fear and now instead he, he looks on, he gazes on, his heart rests on the reality of God's covenant promise over him. In fact, David actually, when he writes the Psalm, it, it seems like, I was reading in commentaries that he's, he's actually quoting from Genesis 15. He's quoting from the place where Abraham's heart was so filled with fear that God would not come through with his promise. He goes, how am I gonna know that you're gonna fulfill these promises you have with me, this covenant you're making with me? And God said to Abraham in Genesis 15, he says, I'm your shield and your glory, your reward. I mean, that's so cool. That where, where did David begin to find his hope? I mean, don't, don't miss the important point here. David turns to scripture. He finds it in scripture. I mean, when we talk about being in the word, it's not just, hey, get in the word so you can be a better religious person. It's not just, hey, get in the word and grow a, a big theological fat head. No, it's get in the word because this is where God speaks. This is where, where truth comes out. This is where we hear from God. In fact, I would say it this strongly, that I think, I think Sarah Young in her, in her book, Jesus Calling, man, I think she blew it big time in her introduction as she said, yeah, I have the Bible, but it wasn't enough. So I wanted more. And so she began to write what she said was, this is Jesus speaking to me, which I found odd because Jesus sounds remarkably like a middle-aged American woman when he speaks to her. But anyway, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Listen, we need to feed on God's word. We need to be in God's word. This is where God speaks the clearest. He promises that his word would not come back empty. So we dig into the promises of God to, to know him. And that's where, where David goes. And David thinks back to how God spoke so clearly in the Pentateuch, how he spoke in Genesis. And, and what was it? What was it about the way that God promised Abraham that David said, I can rest now? Abraham's asking God in Genesis 15, hey, hey how will I know you're my shield and my reward? How will I know I can rest on you as a foundation? This promise is true and forever. And God says, here's what we're gonna do. We've talked about this before, right? Where, where God says, gather up a bunch of animals, cut them in half, place them on either side of this pathway. Now, Abraham would have knew right away what God was doing. He's like, oh, we're making a covenant. We're making a promise. We're doing this covenant and that's how you would do it. You, you wouldn't just get lawyers involved. When you made a covenant with, with, with people back in that time, that's how you would do it. That's how you'd make your promise. Now, I just did a wedding last night. I'm thinking that would make a very gross wedding if that's how we had to do it. We're just gonna cut these animals down the aisle. The bride comes through. That would be gross, right? But that's how they made covenant promises. And so Abraham knew, okay, this is what we're gonna do. God's gonna promise this. And what would happen is you would cut these animals and the two of you would walk down the middle of those cut up animals, the two people making the promise together. And you would say, if I break this promise, May I be cut off from the land of the living. May, may, may what happened to these animals, it happens to me. 
So Abraham's thinking, okay, God's gonna promise this. Now what happens? In Genesis 15, it says that darkness fell and Abraham fell asleep, but in his, in his dream, he watched what happened and God himself, God came down and, and God's presence walked through those cut up animals without Abraham. What's God saying? God's saying, listen, Abraham, this is not gonna rest on you. This promise is gonna rest fully on me. And he's saying, I, I promise to take away your sin. I promise to bring you new life. And I'm gonna give you this blessing even if I myself need to be cut up and cut off, even if I have to pay the price of your disobedience. When you break this covenant, I'll be the one who is cut up so I can bless you. David knew that. And so looking back to that, David says, he's a lifter of my head. Now, now think about how much we know more than David did in that moment. Now that we're on the other side of the cross, that we know that centuries later that darkness fell on Calvary. And Jesus Christ, Isaiah says, he was cut off from the land of the living. Listen, that's how you and I can know, can know, can have a solid foundation that, that God is for us, that he loves us, that he values us, that he's the lifter of our head, that, that because Christ took our sin and our penalty for death, because we broke the covenant promise and Jesus says, but I'll take the punishment for you. I'll take your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. I will give you the blessing of this promise. And listen, to the degree you understand that gospel truth, if you don't know that at all, to the, degree you, to the degree you embrace that this morning, maybe for the first time, but if you're a Christ follower, to the, to the degree you allow that to speak to the depth of who you are, to allow the gospel to become the foundation for your life with grace as your foundation, to, to, the, to the degree that that's your glory, that's your significance, that's your weight, that's, that's, that's it and nothing else, to that degree, you'll be invulnerable to debilitating fear. Jesus Christ sweated in the garden so that we didn't have to. Jesus Christ walked forward in obedience to the grave. And here's the great thing. We know the end of that story. It wasn't a dead end. It didn't end there. There was a, a resurrection on the other side of the grave. So again, we have, a, we have a picture that even David didn't have, but listen to what he says. Verse five, he says, I lay down and slept. I awoke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of the many thousands of people who have set themselves against me and all around me. He says, arise, O Lord, save me, O God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. What's he saying there? These old foundations are gone. I don't have to trust in them anymore. You, you, you destroy them. You destroy the fear. You destroy the fear of death. You destroy the fear of, of loneliness. You destroy all these. You, those foundations are broken. In verse eight, he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Listen, there'll be a resurrection on the other side of anything you're brought into with the Lord. So this morning, my question is this, where are your fears? I mean, what is it this morning that you would say, yeah, that, that's what causes me anxiousness. This is what, what begins to drive my heart towards fear. And here's my challenge. Here's my encouragement towards you. Like David, how do I get to a place of rest? We turn. We turn towards walking in obedience and God's protection.
We tuck in behind him and his promises. We, we build a better foundation of the gospel under us and we rest in that grace. Knowing this, knowing that God will lead you through your fears. I like how 1 Peter 5, 7 says it this way. It says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. How do you get to that place? Not, not just knowing the generalized, yeah, God kind of cares for me, but when you get the gospel and understand, man, this is what it means about who I am, my very identity, that these specific fears I have right now, I can cast those very fears on him and trust Trust that he cares about that. And I can pray these fears to God and I can, I can turn and walk in obedience. I can, I can have a better foundation because of his grace for me that, that, listen, you can trust that when you call out and you cast your cares on him, God will act. God will work. Now, he, he doesn't always work in the way we would work. His ways are higher than our ways. He sometimes does things differently. He's often at work in places we don't even see. And so what do we do? We, we continue to cast our fears on him. As the worst team comes up, I end with this. Listen, to the depth that you believe the gospel, you'll be able to walk forward in your fears. When you begin to place all your hope on Christ and Christ alone. Would you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, Father, I thank you that we can have a hope that's sure. I thank you that we can stand on your promises and, and know because we've seen the cross and we, we see the resurrection, we know that your promises are sure and forever. And so, Lord God, I pray even right now, Lord, in this room right now, for those who are battling with fear and anxiety right now. Father, I pray that your spirit would begin to do a work and, and God, even now they would be turning from their fear and seeing your protection in it. That they'd be seeing the, the faulty foundations that have, been, that have been broken away by the thing that's caused the fear, but recognize that underneath that, there's a sure foundation in you. God, we'd walk knowing that, that our hope is built on nothing but you, Lord Jesus. And in that, in that, in the grace, in the grace of God through the cross of Jesus Christ, that we have a hope that can never be shaken. So Lord God, we bring our fears to you today. We bring our anxious to you today. And God, even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we're, we're, we're blessed to watch to see what you would do as you are our shield around us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, the name that is our hope. I pray it in his name, amen.